Hello, Internet. From Plughead Studios, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 543 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Sunday, November 24th, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcasts Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Huawei is leaving networks, Half-Life is coming to VR, and Apple is temporarily skipping theaters. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat, on any of the podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the myriad of others, uh, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube Live, or Facebook Live, or of course, on our website, plugkitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can watch the show live and chat with us in the studio while we record and uh, let us know your take on the topics as we talk about them. We always love to hear what people have to say. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay as well. Plughitslive.com slash subscribe will show you all of our shows and all the ways that you can subscribe to them, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, our brand new series, uh, Plug Hits Live How To, uh, where we answer your questions on how to do things with technology and a whole lot more. I think that is our spiel. Avram, how are you doing this evening? Uh, decent, decent. A lot of hard work uh, this week and the week to come because this is kind of a key time of year. Uh, Black Friday uh, time, we do a lot of writing about, uh, you know, how to help people find good deals. And uh, so we got to we got to stay on top of it and that can end up being, uh, being quite, uh, quite time, quite time consuming and, and, you know, got to do it. Keep, keep an eye on it 24 seven. So, yeah, cause some things are announced and then some just boop happen. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, you got to find what, uh, you know, who you know, some things I find interesting. Maybe the readers won't. Who who knows? I think the best deal I've seen so far, I saw just earlier this afternoon, and it's not necessarily something I would get. Well, I already have an Xbox, so I certainly wouldn't get it. But they have an Xbox One One S uh, with a with a, which outputs at 4K with a one terabyte hard drive for 149 brand new, which is really good because i'd never see a console for below 199 but there is one little catch the catch is it is a and they 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 highlight this like it's a bonus a digital only version meaning it has no optical drive it's the xbox one s digital edition or something like that all digital yes so so you you know i guess there you save mo- save money because you're not you can't buy physical media to play in it right uh i mean pros and cons there like if if you were starting off an xbox collection and you didn't have any physical media uh it is much more convenient to just buy everything from the store and have it download it yeah. download however uh one thing i have found it is infinitely cheaper to buy used 
copies of games as physical media, which you cannot do um, through digital. So right. that um, so that's the that's the trade off. But having digital only copies, I mean, all all else being equal, uh, is definitely better. Yeah, for for sure. And you know, for those people who are going to, and you know, this is a this is a great gaming conversation as well but you know for people who are um going to do the uh xbox game pass uh and that's going to be your primary source for games because you know it's what 10 bucks a month and there's 100 plus games available and uh all the microsoft titles are in there on launch day um which obviously is a big deal um you know if you're going to do that as your primary game source then the all digital edition is a great deal because you save the money on the hardware and you're saving a ton of money by doing the, the game pass. It's a, it's a good combination. Yeah. So, um, we will actually talk about how to find that deal in just a second. Uh, because uh, that promo is the beginning of our next segment. So let's get right into that now. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store where you can find that great deal on the uh, Xbox One S all digital for $149. Comes with uh, no optical drive, but it's perfect, like we were saying, for those who want to to use the Xbox Game Pass, which is also available from the Microsoft Store. Uh, In fact, you can get um, three months of the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate which is uh, both PC and Xbox One for a dollar right now. Uh, And if Xbox isn't the thing you're looking for, maybe you're looking for a new laptop or a tablet or um, Office 365. Maybe uh, you're looking for a new phone. Uh, the Microsoft Store has all of that, and remember, most of your purchases um, qualify for a 10% discount if you're a current student or uh, military, and you can find all of those deals by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So that was a good lead in there, Abram. <laughs> <laughs> so over the last, uh, particularly the last year, but it has been a couple of years that we have been watching this uh, ramp up. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about um, hardware from Chinese companies that are uh, intimately connected with either the Chinese government or um, uh, their military. Uh, in particular, the company that everybody thinks of is Huawei. But of course, there's others like ZTE uh, that are basically the same structure, the same general company idea. Um, and there's been a lot of question about whether or not, you know, the product should be imported, whether or not uh, our companies should be allowed to sell to them. Uh, and it's been up and down. One of the aspects that has been uh, in the forefront of this conversation has been 
whether or not the Chinese companies should be allowed to have um, to be involved in our cellular networks. Uh, they produce a lot of um, wireless radio technology uh, to build the networks for, you know, Sprint, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. Uh, and so there's been a lot of question there. The FCC has officially weighed in and unanimously this week uh, said that any projects that are funded uh, by the Universal Service Fund, which is the fund that helps carriers provide service to areas that could never be profitable on their own, um, rural areas and things like that. Uh, any, any projects that are being funded by the USF uh, cannot make purchases from Huawei or ZTE going forward. Um, there's now an infrastructure in place for the FCC to uh, evaluate and add uh, new companies in the future if they feel they need to. And there is discussion about uh, requiring that the hardware be that is already in place be removed, which is a obviously a huge undertaking. Um, but uh, the FCC has said they do not they don't want to fund uh, projects that that feature hardware from these companies, not Chinese companies in general. These two in particular. So I think that's that's the the biggest and most vocal step that's been taken because everything else that's been said has either been uh, suspended or massively diminished thus far, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're not seeing all the phone launches, though. That's still, I mean, so, I mean, what is it? The Huawei, uh, was it the Huawei Mate, Mate, uh, Mate Pro? Yeah. The, the one that has really excellent cameras, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can get one, but you can't get it through a carrier. I don't even know if you can get it through a U.S. vendor. Yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah, there. So there, it's really they definitely. Yeah, there's there's certainly restrictions like, and whether they're official or not, right? Um, it it may just be everybody's going okay. Uh, we're not going to get involved in this just in case, uh, because I know ZTE handsets used to be available uh, from mm-hmm. both AT and T and Verizon. I ha- I've seen them, I had seen them physically in stores. Uh, long ago but it's been a while yeah Um, yeah they so yeah there's i mean there's a lot of ways in which you can't get get equipment from these from these vendors and mm -hmm. uh the consumer market is poorer for it and we still haven't seen any evidence that there's actually any security violation going on true um this this of course isn't the first the first time that the government has uh has barred itself from spending money on uh Huawei and ZTE hardware um uh yeah. it was 5 or 6 years ago um uh an Obama executive order um prevented any government official from using 
a Huawei or a ZTE handset um, for government business. And I believe that order is still in place. I don't believe it was ever rescinded. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, the government has, has kind of long had concerns about these brands, but you know, this, I think, I think the idea that, that there's them saying that private organizations using public funds, but private organizations can't use, can't purchase their hardware, I think is a, a pretty big move. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. Um, like I said, it was unanimous. Both uh, Democrats and Republicans in the FCC uh, voted for this. But uh, commissioners on both sides of the aisle are concerned that uh, Washington may try and politicize this uh, and try and incorporate it into a the larger trade negotiations with China, um, which they believe uh, probably with with good uh, good reason could diminish the the value of orders from the FCC. So um, it will definitely be interesting to see what comes of it. Like you said, Avram, there's there's been no there's been soft evidence, but there's never been any hard like like something that would stand up in court. There's there's ne- it's all been circumstantial and could have been third party. Uh, interference type things. Uh, there's never been any hard evidence to suggest that that uh, anything coming out of these companies is is uh, spe- particularly problematic. Um, but obviously, the the fear of of red China is ever looming over <laughs> anything that comes out of the country. Well, if if there's really a security problem. Then I think, uh, I think the FCC owes it to the American people to disclose what that is, if, and and then they shouldn't be able to trade it back in a trade deal, because if it's a problem, if it's a security violation, you shouldn't be able to trade away security. Right, which is exactly what the commissioners are are saying is that they believe that there's a legitimate threat here, and I agree they should say what it is. Okay. But they believe that there's a legitimate threat, and their fear is that their threat assessment will be undermined as part of a trade deal, which will not be great for them. So, I I totally understand that. Um, I am with you. I would like to see what led them to this decision, um, because for for both parties to jump on board with this um, certainly is a big move and uh, I'd like to know why all of a sudden they have decided that now is the time that they need to do this. It would, it would suggest that there's some sort of information. I think that they should disclose it, but it is what it is right now. We won't, (laughs) we probably won't be getting any further information, but it would be nice. Um, I'm going to ask real quick, are you, are you good to do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I just, I just wanted to make sure I'd, we could reshuffle stuff if there was too much chaos. Okay. Then let's do this. Yeah.
This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. You definitely want uh, a VPN service to uh, hide your browsing activity, whether it be from Google and Facebook or from your ISP. And a, uh, a VPN like PureVPN is the best way to do that. Um, it gives you the ability, like I said, to, to hide your activity or to obfuscate it, but it also gives you the ability to report that you're somewhere else, which is really nice when you're out of the country and still would like to watch the premiere of one of your favorite shows. Not at all a real life story. <laughs> and uh, right now, as uh, as part of the Cyber Week that's getting started, um, they have got a deal for a three-year plan. You can get a dollar ninety-two a month, uh, which is is a really great deal, and you get a thirty-one day money-back guarantee. So, if you buy the plan at this great deal and you don't like it, it doesn't do what you want, you can get all of your money back, and you can find all of the information about PureVPN by going to PilchPoint.Live/PureVPN. So um, I guess the first thing we'll say is that it is Cyber Week coming up. You guys will have a ton of information about... Uh, already do. Yes. We already do. So if you go to tomshardware.com, you will see that we have a lot of information there. We've highlighted uh, some of the best deals or maybe all of the best deals. Well, so certainly some of the best deals for people who like who like technology and uh we also have lists of some of the best of the best gifts to get for different kinds of folks uh so definitely definitely check us out uh but speaking of gifts uh i want to talk about something which i think is an awesome gift for someone uh or for oneself and this is this new thing that i've been testing called the sphero rover spelled rvr um, so what this is, is it is a robot, a robot, uh, tank, I guess you could say. And it comes and it comes with, you know, different, different kinds of tops. So like, here's a, here's a top you can put on it. And unlike most robot cars, it's actually made to be uh, durable enough to go outside. Um, but the point of it is that you that you program it and there's the Sphero EDU app, which allows you to to write code for it um, from a phone or tablet. Uh, and you can you know you can control it that way. It has a color sensor, it has a light sensor. Um, so it has some, you know, it's got pretty good sensors and really good motors, and it's got the batteries inside here, and it pops out. So this is like a serious thing. Like, it, you know, adults could use this for, like, I don't know what a industrial use case of having a robot tank is, but, um, you know, if you, I don't know, want to drive it over to a lake to test the water quality or something, you could, because not only can you control it, you control it using Sphero's app, but it, there's an API and there, and you can plug in a computer, a Raspberry Pi to it and run it that way. 
So what I have here is this is a Raspberry Pi Zero W, and it is attached to it is attached directly to the rover. So there's a USB cable that comes out of the rover to give power to your Raspberry Pi. This also works with Arduino and I think um, I think one other type of board, uh, but Raspberry Pi is clearly the best. Um, and there's also Micro these bit. these wires over here. Micro bit, right. There are also these wires over here that come out of the... Um, they're basically a ground, a TX, and an RX for serial connection. So you connect them to the pins on your Raspberry Pi. And then, uh, then you install the software, which took me quite a while to figure out. Uh, I had to look on some forums to get it working, even though they have documentation for it on Sphero's website. And, and then you can control it through the Raspberry Pi. So, um, for example, I wrote a quick, and you can program it in Python. So I wrote a quick program the other day to use the color sensor to change what the LED lights on this do, because there's a whole bunch of LED lights on it. Okay. So uh, when it's on. So if you, let me see if this has some juice and I can actually see in their default state what they do. So, right. So they like, you know, they kind of light up okay. um, in all kinds of colors, but, mm. but, the um what i did is i actually programmed it which i'd have to boot up the raspberry pi and, and use it so i'm not gonna do that right now um to have a color sensor program that when i stuck some a color under it it would change the colors of the lights to that color so um uh but of course you could use the use the color sensor to um to make it like drive or stop or go backward or whatever like oh if it runs over green go and if it runs over red stop and uh, in the package with this they actually give you a bunch of like pieces of different color paper in different colors so that you can um you can actually use it for that uh, and that's you know you can program the color sensor without a raspberry pi but one of the great things about having the raspberry pi is you can attach additional sensors and additional things that it doesn't come with some examples are people have built robot arms to put on top of it. Other examples are people have, you know, attached a camera to it and made this into a security device, a security camera robot. Uh, that's actually what I'm trying to do with it. There, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a mount so that you can actually screw in the Raspberry Pi to it um, or other cameras or motors or whatever. Uh, and then you can have it you know, really have it um, control, you know, you can you can do it things based on the sensors, right? So I don't know, what if you put like an air quality sensor on this and it, uh, I don't know, detected that the poor air quality would go somewhere or do something? What if you put a motion sensor on it and if it detected activity, uh, it would sound an alarm or something. So like there's, you know, there's an almost infinite number of possibilities uh, and, you know, there's a lot of robot car kits out there that are cheaper than than this. This is $249, which is quite a bit. Um, but this is really, really well made. Like, it's just very, very solid. The um, I haven't fully tested how long the battery lasts, but it seems to last a long time. Definitely several hours. Um, and, you know, most 
most of these things are not made to go outdoors uh so they don't they aren't this durable uh also if you have the top on it it's supposed to be able to kind of flip over so if it like does something in a loop and it flips over it should be able to um to survive that okay. so um you know it's just uh it's just really cool uh it's a lot of fun and the possibilities are kind of endless now could, if you could see more clearly, you can actually see all the circuit guts inside, which yeah. is kind of cool. Like you can see, you can see the boards uh, that are inside of it, which are some kind of proprietary board. It's not like a Raspberry Pi inside or anything. But um, you know, I think that uh, this is a lot of fun. My son and I have been really enjoying uh, playing with it and figuring out how to get do different things on it, uh, and so. If you are buying somebody a gift this holiday season, that person is a maker, likes robots. Uh, I mean, kids can, you don't need the Raspberry Pi. Kids can use this. Kids can enjoy it. Um, but I think kids, uh, either adult, an adult maker or adults with kids together, when you start attaching a Raspberry Pi or other things to it, that's when it becomes really, really powerful. Yeah, and, and obviously it's Sphero. So there's a couple of things yeah. that you can go into it knowing. You know that it's durable <laughs> because Sphero stuff is durable, which obviously if you're getting it for a kid is important. Um, and you know that it's designed for expandability, like you were saying. That's you know that's one of the things that Sphero is known for. Even their their first ball many years ago was had external APIs and you could do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. And I, so I really love. I love that it's Sphero. I love that that naturally it's expandable, and then by adding a Raspberry Pi or a, a micro bit or an Arduino to it, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. That that's awesome. I've but I have to say I've never seen anything like this before. Like there's a lot of robot car kits out there where they'll give you a, the motors and the the you know and the frame, and you've got a you got to put it together yourself and then you can have the central piece be a raspberry pi but here's something that works independently but it's got a port it's got three pins the equivalent of what you would call you know a serial port uh and usb out usb power out for the purpose of of powering a raspberry pi so it's not like an afterthought it's made to do this. So I, I think that's, what's really cool about it. Yeah, for sure. And I, uh, while you were talking as is pretty normal for me, I went out to look at all of the details, which is why I knew it was micro bit, uh, as a third board. And, uh, Man. apparently on Amazon right now, there's a deal on this for one ninety nine. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, I didn't, we will, I'll be writing about that shortly. Yeah, I mean, we get off this call. That is a that's a twenty percent discount. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not. You know, even at one ninety nine, it's not cheap because it's more money than an Xbox. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's uh, it's a different thing for a different purpose. And um, you know, having seen you know sixty, seventy, eighty dollar car kits where you got to put together yourself and they're kind of flimsy. This is like, this is the, you know, this, this thing is really, you could use this as a real, you know, 
I don't know exactly what what the use cases would be that were like not for fun, but you could use the. I mean, they have some videos of it, and they have somebody like taking water samples from a river with it or something. Um, so it definitely um, it definitely is made for serious business to do. It's fun enough and, and understandable enough for a kid that's seven or eight, uh, but is uh, durable and and expandable enough for a serious adult using it for some kind of industrial purpose. And uh, in their marketing images, I see that they are using Visual Studio for all of the programming on it. So that means that it's like massively targetable. There's that, that means that it's, it's designed for makers and entry level all the way up through like enterprise developers. Cause if it's, if it's in visual studio, you can all but guarantee it's an enterprise developer. that's <laughs> supposed to be me- yeah. messing around with it. So, I mean, it's, they, they definitely have their, their sights on, uh, on some big stuff with this little guy. I love it. Um, obviously you have one in your possession, so you must be working on something with it. Yes. Uh, this has already made our list of best STEM toys and, uh, we are, uh, I'm working on a more detailed review of it, but, uh, it, it scores high. This is, uh, the problem is there's so many different things I could try with it, uh, that to have time to, to, to try them all in the middle of this crazy season is going to be challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can tell you right now, uh, it is great. And uh, if you're the type of person who likes, likes to make things, use Raspberry Pi, uh, it's definitely for you. Very cool. Um, I am looking at the, at the marketing images on this, and I am fascinated by some of the things they're doing with it, uh, just based on the based on the photos there's something with a red solo cup on an arm that appears to be rotatable so i'd love to know what that's all about and then there's some sort of a weather station thing with the the spinning bit on top i would love to know what that's all about too so yeah i like i said they've definitely got their (laughs) their eyes set on big things with this i appreciate you bringing this on because like we said there was another it's that time of year. There was another potential topic, uh, but I love this thing. And uh, this is more fun. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I might want one myself. So, <laughs> yep. So thanks for that, Abram. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console are available from Razer. Everything from a keyboard and mouse like we use here in the studio to um, really cool, highly customizable controllers for the Xbox, which I saw uh, this week and are really cool. Um, And uh, all the way up through systems, uh, full laptops uh, and and things like that are all available. And right now, um, obviously, like we said, Cyber Week is kicking off. Uh, they've got early access for uh, 
through our link. And uh, to find out about all those deals and all the products that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash razor. Their graphic is all like cyber jittery. Anyway, that's just a weird observation. Anyway, um, so if there is one game in the entire industry that continually gets requests for um, for more content in, it's Half-Life. The last time we saw an, an actual entry in the Half-Life franchise was Half-Life 2 Episode 2, which released as part of the Orange Box on October 10th, 2007. Yes, that is 12 years ago. It has become... Uh, the biggest joke in the in the gaming industry. Anytime Valve somebody at Valve sneezes, everybody's like, "Oh, Half Life 3. <laughs> and uh, it never happens. We never got Half Life Two Episode Three. Uh, and so everybody would like for them to either finish the last story or start a new one. Well. Kind of, you're going to get your wish. Um, a game that we've known the, about the existence of, but did not know any details about, um, was officially announced this week. Half-Life Alex um, is, it's official. It is a VR title. It is a triple A VR title. Now, Abram, you and I have talked for the last couple of years about why VR has never taken off in the consumer space. And it's because we be we believe it's because there has never been a truly killer title. Well, Valve making a Half-Life title for VR, a AAA quality Half-Life title for VR could be that killer title. I true I truly that believe that. I think that I think that would be really cool. I wanted to mention that another uh, VR title came out. I think just last week, uh, called Doctor Who: The Edge of Time, yes, which is, um, which sounded like it had some potential. I'm reading some of the reviews that people have put up, and it's been kind of uh, met with mixed reviews. People say they can get through it in about three hours, uh, which is not very long for yeah for a game uh, and that the controls are kind of annoying, but those are complaints that you'd get from a regular game. I mean, I sure. think part of the problem is there just haven't been a lot of VR games that are that engaging that people spend a lot of time in them like yeah. they do with, you know, with regular games. So I like to see uh, a game that had enough content for that. Yeah. And, and a triple a title, out of out of valve is going to be that kind of a game right because if you look i mean you look back at the orange box let's look let's look at the generation that was the last time we saw uh half-life uh portal wasn't even a triple a title granted it it overshadowed every other game in the industry that year um and it was the undisputed game of the year but uh, it wasn't a triple A level title. It was a it was a throw in 
uh, Half-Life 2 Episode 2 and Team Fortress were supposed to be the AAA titles, and Portal was something that was thrown in as an add-on. Um, and that came out of Valve, and that you know owned the owned the industry that year. So you know when they really do focus down on a on a AAA title, look at anything that's come out of Counterquest, anything that's come out of you know Portal Two was a huge game. You know when Valve really sits down and focuses down, they they produce a big game. And on top of this, uh, for anybody who buys a Valve Index VR headset. You're going to get this game for free. So it is going to be a AAA title VR game that's going to be free as the flagship game for the, for the headset. That's, that's big. People are going to buy the hardware to play this game because everybody has been itching to get back into Black Mesa. And this game is going to take place between the first and second game. So it's a new story, but it takes place in the past. Uh, um, but I think, I think this might be the thing that finally pushes, pushes people to buy hardware who have been holding out, which I'm excited. About. I mean, I might finally buy VR hardware because of this game. I mean, it definitely sounds like, I mean, that's that's what the industry needs. And then once you have one game like this, you start to see it. You start to see others because um, financing one starts thing to I show up to the other developers. Right. Once one thing really catches on and the and the platform grows, then you get financing from and to publishers and developers to start building other AAA titles for the hardware. So something else that kind of happened, I think it was last week that was really interesting is that um, Minecraft Earth went into wide, uh, I think it's still beta, but it's like a wide, uh, wide beta. And it's so, not even beta, it is early access. It's pre-alpha. Okay. Well, it seems to be in decent shape because yes. I've been using it. Me My too. son really wanted to try it. Uh, and I bring that up because... You know, if it weren't for Pokemon Go, there wouldn't be a Minecraft Earth. True. And so could this be the Pokemon Go? Could Half-Life for VR be the Pokemon Go of VR? Yes. I hope so. Yes. Because because what was Pokemon Go? It was uh, Niantic working with the Pokemon company to build a thing for a new technology based on an existing highly popular franchise and that is exactly what valve is doing here they are building a game for a new technology based on a highly popular and uh financially secure franchise so yes this could absolutely be the vr equivalent of pokemon go um and you know it coming coming out to to support the the index i mean that's that's Valve hardware with Valve store playing a Valve game. That is <laughs> that is the Apple model right there. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and you know if they can control the entire the entire experience, uh, they can they can guarantee that it will work the way they want it to. 
which can be one of the challenges for VR, right? You can't always, we've, we've seen variable experiences based on your, on your hardware, whether it be, you know, trying to use a steam game with your Samsung phone in a thing or, or using the HTC Vive, very different experience. But in this case, they can control the entire, the entire experience. I think, I think it's going to be good all around. Not just for VR, but because Valve is back in Black Mesa. They are back in the Half-Life uh, universe, and uh, one of the heads of the franchise said that now that they are back, they have returned to Black Mesa. The company wants to stay there. And uh, this is just the first, hopefully, the first of uh, many games to uh, come out back in the Half-Life universe, which the Half-Life universe is difficult to say because Portal also takes place in that same continuum. Um, but And they make fun of each other. But uh, um, it's a return to Black Mesa, and they want to, they want to stay there. They want to do more games uh, in the Half-Life storyline. So Half-Life 3, come on. It's only been 12 years. It'll be 13 by the time <laughs> this game comes out. But, uh, you know, that's that's good for the franchise and everybody who loves it, which is uh, m many gamers. So I'm I'm very excited. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like Martial Law, where I think they just rented a hotel room and were doing karate. Um, the way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Uh, they also do short films, um, industry films like The Importance of Springs. I know I use that example all the time, but it is a horrifying short film. Um, it will keep you up at night. Um, and also those educational films we watched in school. Uh, they also do live events, and those live events make their way uh, onto the site as well. And to find all of the commentaries, whether it be for uh, full-length full features, uh, live events, or short films, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifftracks with an X. Oh my god, this movie is called Feeders. It looks like it was supposed to be like Tremors. And that was already a B-movie. Anyway, um, we've talked about this before. The, the bizarre relationship that uh, the U.S. government has with encryption and uh, user data privacy and security... Um, on the one hand, Congress called Mark Zuckerberg in to testify about uh, why user data was was not protected. And on the other hand, the Justice Department keeps asking 
that the tech industry not encrypt data. So it's definitely a difficult relationship uh, that they have with with protection. And we're going to focus on the second one, which is the truly bizarre side of it. Um, we know that the government has many times uh, requested that either uh, encryption not really exist or that it be easy to break or that it not be easy to break and uh, it be broken anyway, which was the case with uh, Apple a couple of years ago. And Apple you know, famously fought a court order uh, demanding that they break the encryption on a device. And uh, in the end, they won. Um, but this week, the Justice Department has gone a new route, trying a new tactic, because uh, they have not been able to win the support of almost anybody uh, here at home. And instead, the FBI drafted a, um, uh, a resolution presented at Interpol's uh, annual child protection meeting. And uh, basically, the idea was that we can't protect kids if uh, data is encrypted, which is a interesting pitch and one that we've heard them make before. Um, and so after the meeting, the FBI claimed that the resolution would be published shortly uh, after uh, asking Interpol about it uh, in no uncertain terms. They said, absolutely not. No action will be taken on this on this uh, proposal, and uh, you won't hear anything more from us about it. Bye-bye. Um, so it seems they're going to keep fighting this thing, even though they can't get support for it anywhere. Why do they... Th this can't be their their end goal, right? There's got to be something else that's part of this, right, Avram? Because I can't wrap my head around this, why they keep digging in on this. Uh, well, uh, so I certainly, well, first of all, I think you've got to make a distinction between what the Justice Department wants and what Congress wants. Because these are two different branches of government. True. Uh, so, you know, you, you've got, you know, in Justice Department wants to be able to investigate, uh, you know, wants to be able to investigate people. Congress, uh, maybe some of the Congress people want to increase investigative powers, but I think they're more looking at what are the voters asking for and the sure. voters are probably asking, not asking for their their privacy to be violated. So, um, so you know what the Justice Department wants is definitely not good politics, but they're you know, but they're not they're not elected. So, um, so you know it's. Uh, <sighs> I mean, obviously they're going to try to keep, keep at it, but their argument makes no sense. And I think people, I think it's kind of exploitive to say, oh, they can't keep children safe if they don't, have, if they can't break encryption. Yeah. I mean, that's like saying we can't keep 
children safe if people have locks on their doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, the idea of encryption is to protect privacy and, and the up and down side of protecting privacy is it could protect criminal activity, but it also protects very legitimate activity sure. that frankly, the government shouldn't, the government and or private individuals shouldn't be entitled to, because remember if the government can break it and break it easily, so can, so can anybody else. Yes. And so that, even if you, that was Apple's, that was Apple's argument uh, when, yeah. during the San Bernardino case, which uh, for those who didn't follow it quite as closely as, as we were kind of forced to um, a, a police officer through either incompetence or negligence uh, made a mistake that locked an iPhone and they tried to get a court order to demand that Apple create a backdoor that would allow them to access the data without unlocking the device. And Apple said no. And their argument was once a backdoor exists, it exists. And just because the key is private, no way is it private. If they, they, uh, I think, I think, um, uh, Tim Cook said, we can't even keep the specs of our hardware private. There's no way any organization can keep, uh, can keep private encryption keys private. They're going to leak and every device will become vulnerable, which of course is true. Because that's how backdoors work. Yeah. Once a backdoor exists, it exists and anybody will eventually be able to get through it. Yeah. So, so I'm glad that people are, are that companies are largely ignoring this request, this advocacy. Um, I hope, I hope it, I hope it stays that way because, you know, I mean, look at it, look at it this way. There's a lot of places in this world where people are political dissidents and they're, you know, and they and they're trying to keep those communications private so you let you know so you let the justice De justice department of the united states in how does that stop you know the government of another country from from cracking in and using it to crack down on dissent sure absolutely so so you end up with you know political issues in in countries that are already you know on shaky ground politically, but then you've also got, you know, the issue of, you know, corporate communications. You've got a company trying to keep the information about a, a, a patent filing that hasn't been filed yet private, but the government still potentially has access to that. Or once it's cracked, you know, the competitors could have access to that. I, it's not good for, Anybody it is just a generally bad situation. And like you said, I'm glad that it's by and large been ignored. And in fact, in some cases, like with with Microsoft, it's been doubled down on OneDrive now has the personal vault that even Microsoft can't scan. Um, um, you know, Microsoft's doubled down on saying this is a bad idea uh, by making it widely available to everybody. Um, so, 
yeah, I'm I'm glad that we're we're staying on that side. And even Interpol's like, yeah, we're not going to touch this one. This is the last you'll hear from us on this topic. Go away. So if you if you can't get Interpol on your side on something that's theoretically a an, an international uh, policing <laughs> investigative topic, you're not going to get anybody on your side. So thumbs up. This week's DRM Not Included in F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. In addition to your uh, free shipping, there are a lot of features like Amazon Prime Music, which gives you free music streaming, Amazon Prime Video, which gives you TV, movies, documentaries, all available as part of your subscription. You get Twitch Prime, which gives you free games every month and a free uh, subscription uh, to support the content creator that of your choice on Twitch. Uh, you get one free subscription there as well and a whole lot more. We've put together some of our favorites with quick links to all of the features. And if you're not already a Prime subscriber, this is the time of year where it pays off to have it. We've got a 30-day free trial so that you can see if the shipping and all of these other features are, uh, are a benefit for you. And all of that can be found by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So uh, this month was the uh, the big new streaming service month. We've we saw Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus uh, launch, and both have seen their launch issues, uh, but both have been different. Uh, Disney saw technical issues, um, whether it be the system crashing on day one or old episodes of The Simpsons cutting off uh, the top and bottom of the videos. Um, on the other hand, Disney's issues have been more content related. Um, their original series have been at best ignored and at worst uh, hated. Um, I think the nicest comment I saw about their um, their flagship series, The Morning Show, was that it was boring, and it got worse from there. You, you mean you mean Apple TV? Apple TV. That, did I say wrong? Apple yeah. TV Plus. You said Disney. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Apple TV Plus. Um, Disney's has been technical issues. Apple's has been content issues. Um, and this week, an interesting situation has arisen within Apple uh, in their content division. Their first big Apple original movie, which um, based on uh, early critic screenings, had Samuel L. Jackson as a uh, possible long shot nominee for an Oscar um, for this film. Um, won't be hitting theaters, at least not uh, when it's supposed to. Uh, the The film is called The Banker. It's, it uh, tells the story. Uh, it's set in the 50s. It tells the story of um, two land developers. And um, apparently it's supposed to be really great. But 
there's an issue. Uh, one of the uh, one of the co-producers, who is the son of one of the two bankers uh, that the movie is about, um, has been accused of sexual assault, going back several decades, but um, spanning almost ten years. Um, the two women who came forward are actually uh, his half sisters. So all of it ties into the story, you know, into the the reality of the of the film. Um, you know, it's a family member of one of the people that the movie is about, and theoretically several of them. Uh, Apple has decided to cancel its theatrical premiere, which means that it will almost certainly not be. Uh, Oscar eligible for this season um, indefinitely uh, as of right now um, there are no active plans to bring it to theaters or to Apple TV plus uh, until they can figure out what their next steps are which I think is a very smart move on Apple's part they spent a lot of money on this movie and they're saying we're not going to stand for nonsense there's I would use different words if we weren't <laughs> rated E for everyone. Um, they're not going to stand for anything like this. And I, you know, Hollywood's been a little up and down on what they will and will not accept uh, from what's happening in the industry. And Apple's saying, we're staying out of your wishy-washy. We're taking a stand. We're not, we're not going to be involved in that, which in reality is kind of the Apple corporate culture in general, right? So I'm not surprised about it, but I'm happy to see it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to, um, I think companies are going to, uh, film studios are going to have to spend more time kind of vetting the people who are involved in the films and mm -hmm. to make sure that to make sure that they you know the controversies like this don't come up uh i what i was, i was thinking about and i have to look up the name of it the movie uh the birth of a nation which came out a few years ago do you do do you remember that the one about Nat Tur the nat turner so there was a movie that was being highly touted a few years ago called the birth of a nation not to be confused with birth of a nation which with the black and white uh ku klux klan film this is um this movie was about the nat turner slave rebellion um and uh the guy who who produced and starred in it um the guy who produced and start starred in it i think his name was nate uh nate parker yeah um when the movie was about to come out some several years old uh allegations uh which had been sort of he hadn't been disciplined for them in college but you know it was there was a lot of evidence to say that he did it um you know he said he didn't do it i don't know you know i'm not here to to, to talk about to adjudicate that but with the buzz uh with the buzz around it the negative buzz around it i think that very much hurt the box office for that film which was supposed to be 
you know, a movie that was going to get award consideration and, and be, you know, and be something a lot of people saw. Um, that was actually before, that was actually before Harvey Weinstein. Okay. So that was like 2016. Yeah. So, but now people should be, you know, really careful. They're going to have to start. I mean, look at Kevin Spacey. Like, mm-hmm. didn't they have some projects with Kevin Spacey where they had serious problems? One of them, they ended up reshooting his part. Yeah. Uh, they, um, the final season of uh, the Netflix series, whose name he was. Yeah, of uh, Game of Cards. Yeah. Uh, uh, House of Cards. House of Cards. Yeah. The he wasn't he wasn't in the final season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well they got they they wrote him out, but also there was that movie, I forget the name of it, mm-hmm. that was about, I think, John Paul Getty and yep. he had filmed a whole bunch of scenes and then like with they delayed the the film for like a month and then they they got somebody else to they got Christopher Plummer to step in. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to start doing the kind of vetting that people do when they like presidential candidates do when they're looking for a vice presidential candidate to see what what comes up. Uh, Some of them do. They're going to have to start doing, yes, what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Uh, She's going to be the butt of jokes for Uh, the rest of my life. (laughs) Keep going, sorry. I think studio... uh, I think studios are going to have to do that kind of deep background check on, I don't know. I mean, clearly they're going to have to do it on a lot of people involved in the film because Kevin Spacey wasn't even the star. He wasn't the producer or the director. He had, I think, a, you know, a, a fairly small supporting role. My understanding was, but which is know, why it was able yeah, to, so, they were able to eliminate him in a short period of time. Yeah, if he had a bigger role, it would have been thing a much be... bigger problem. Yeah, although I guess they could try to do a Sonic the Hedgehog to uh, Sonic the Hedgehog to a person, right? Twenty-five so, million like the person dollars. Twenty-five million dollars that added to the movie's budget. <laughs> well, I don't know how much it costs to animate him in the first place i don't know why it would be so so why it's so expensive but i don't know what it costs the first place right i know that i mean i think the total budget is now 137 well i mean the movie didn't look that great in the first place <laughs> now it looks a little better yeah but his, ar- his arms are still blue they st- that's the big problem not not the fact that there's not the fact that there's no other sonic characters in it except for dr robotnik and he doesn't look right either and that it by all accounts looks not at all funny yeah well he doesn't have creepy teeth anymore so we've got that but 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 yeah the there there are there are, I, I guess the the reason why I brought up the price on that is because even in an animated film, which theoretically you change the model and re-render, it still added right, twenty yeah. twenty five million dollars to to the budget to make him not look 
horrifying with those teeth. Um, and you know, there obviously Sonic hasn't been accused of anything other than being creepy looking. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're talking about, you know, the budget of a, of a filmed movie with a big star like Kevin Spacey, you know, to go back and have to refilm all, uh, all his parts after you've shut down production, theoretically, to bring all of that back online is massively expensive. You may have given up sets already or shooting locations and having to to lease them back and all that. I mean, that that's massively expensive. It's way better to do your due diligence up front and not have somebody who's got skeletons. Yeah, no doubt. But on the other hand, we've also learned in recent years that it can even affect the back money being made from a back catalog of, of older works too. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, people aren't listening to our, people aren't listening to R Kelly so much anymore. They, they, most channels are no longer airing the Cosby show, reruns of the Cosby show mm -hmm. or certainly not the or seventh episode. heaven. Oh yeah, Seventh Heaven. Oh my God, I forgot about that one. So you know, I mean, companies are probably going to look at this and figure out, like, wait a second, how do we make sure that we get um, that we get people who aren't going to create this kind of controversy? Yeah. Because because once you know it it uh, you know. Your your work will forever, forever be tainted. Yeah. Once a once a a brand is damaged like that, you know, once a a TV show's image is damaged, there's no coming back from it. So yeah, and and you know to use to use a show like Seventh Heaven as as a as an example, you know, part of the the financial strategy. On a show like that, because, you know, it was the CW, so it was a, it certainly wasn't based around making money up front. It was, you know, with the 18 viewers that watched UPN at the time, um, it was definitely based on being able to make money long term on, uh, on syndication deals. And that's over. You're not, nobody's trying to syndicate Seventh Heaven today. Yeah. Because it's hard to take reference uh, you know, and all of the right, and all of the other cast members who were maybe were getting residuals. Yeah, yeah. So everybody else was affected by it as well. Yeah, it's due diligence. Uh, I guess is the the important part here. Uh, studios need to be paying more attention to who they're bringing in and really doing, like you said, you know, presidential or VP level. Uh, vetting because I obviously once a name is tainted it it is so that makes you know going forward you know, nobody's looking to try and hire Kevin Spacey for a project right now so you know there's there's that um, but you know new people coming in like in this case in the in the case of of this the banker this co-producer this is probably his only project ever because it's about his dad You've really got to be watching out for those people because 
they don't have any industry background. Nobody knows what they've been up to. So you've really got to be careful with those those types of people. You know, your consulting producers and your co-producers and stuff like that that are one or two time people. You've really got to watch out for that stuff. So that is our show. Uh, thank you to those of you who joined us live. Uh, we always appreciate our live viewers. If you weren't able to join us live, that is okay. You can always go to plugkidslive.com slash join us. Or, nope, plugkidslive.com slash subscribe and see all of the shows, uh, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point um, and uh, Plug Hits Live How To and The 3000 Brigade Presents, uh, which we've got some new Detective Toad mysteries coming uh, over the coming weeks. So there's lots of new content and Oh my god, I cannot believe that it's like six weeks until five weeks until CES, something like that. Holy cow, that's way too close. Um, so we will be having a ton of new content there. Uh, like we said earlier, definitely uh, hang out at tomshardware.com uh, over the next, particularly the next week, there will be a ton of deal information. So if you're looking for great gift ideas, Tom's Hardware will definitely be the place to go looking. Um, and I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.